there are lots of things that can't be done alone. Uh, one of them is making family memories. Uh, so two weeks ago, uh, Shay, Cara and I went with some other family and friends and we did a 14 kilometer hike in the Berg. Uh, we walked all the way up until the top of the amphitheater and we overlooked Tugela Falls, uh, the highest, uh, not the highest, the tallest waterfall in Africa. It's such a beautiful hike. But to get to the top and overlook this incredible view, there are two very intimidating chain ladders. So just so that you understand how scary they are, um, once we'd done three of them, we were waiting to go down the last one. And my nephew, who's a real daredevil, he um, does enduro motorbike riding and is not afraid of much. His legs were like trembling while they were flat, you know, his feet were resting on the ground and we were all just kind of praying and preparing to, to do this. Um, another, another example is, is I was kind of moving on the chain ladder as quickly as I could to get it over with as fast as possible. Um, and my eyes were closed. I was holding on very tightly the, the three limbs because I only let one go at a time. Um, and my eyes were closed and I thought, but what if there's a snake on the rock? I wouldn't see it. Um, I am terrified of snakes. And I just thought, I don't care. I'm keeping my eyes closed and I'm going as fast as I can. Um, so, so it was that terrifying that a fear of snakes just wasn't actually important in that moment. Um, anyhow, I got to the top of this particular, this is the first and the worst of the chain ladders. And to the right of me, I saw a couple just sitting there and I was a little bit confused. And in my mind, I was like, I just need to make the next one. Let me get this over with. And later I heard their story. She was crying her eyes out and she refused to move. Her husband was trying to convince her to get onto this one and descend. Um, or she was stuck on the mountain between these two because she wasn't going up and she wasn't going down. She was staying exactly where she was. Fortunately, a guide came upon them, tied her into a harness, and she felt safe and secure enough with his help to descend this chain ladder. I think if it wasn't for him, she'd still be stuck on that mountain between these, these two chain ladders, frozen in terror. Now, if you look at that chain ladder, I think life in 2022 can feel a lot like a tough, tough, long chain ladder. What with flooding, what with financial, emotional, and physical health issues? It's been tough. Some people find this exhilarating. One of the guys, there's a photo of him kind of with one limb on the, two limbs on the ladder, just like exhilarated to be high up. I was that, not that person. Some of us are facing this ladder in terror. And maybe you want to just pause and think, what is your current metaphorical chain ladder? What is it that you're facing that is just so difficult or exhilarating? As Christ followers, our greatest challenge in life is to keep on climbing and never give up on this chain ladder of growing closer to Jesus and seeking to reflect him more and more to the world around us, no matter what 2022 throws at us. But I think sometimes we can feel like a day in the berg. The wind was blowing terribly that day, so much so that peaks were blown off. You know, you clung to that feeling like it would take you and your rucksack down to the ground. And I think we feel like that on the spiritual ladder because an image, a tempting image online can take us off track. 
we can get really discouraged by the constant put down by family members of our faith. Or we can be disappointed with God because we're praying that same prayer, perhaps for work or something, and it's just not happening. Or our kids call us hypocritical because on Sunday we're one thing and at home we're another thing. Or there's that daily struggle of how do I deal with a toxic manager or colleague? And on and on our spiritual struggles go. As we seek to climb to know Jesus more and to be Christ-like. And we may feel like that, that wife in between the two ladders, where we just want to curl up in a ball. We just want to stay in bed. We just want to give up on our faith. We feel like the physical, mental, um, emotional, and spiritual challenges, kind of they're up to our eyeballs. And if one more thing happens, we're just going to go under. But I've got great news for all of us today. God wants to remind us we're not alone. He is with us on this chain ladder. Not only that, he gives us guides along the way. He provided for that woman at just the right time. A guide came along. She hadn't paid for him, and he helped her get off the mountain. So what's new at Home Ground Church? Today we want to focus and lean into how we want to emphasize the vital importance of small groups, being part of a smaller group. I pray that through the passage that was read and through this message that you'll realize that some things just can't be done alone. We're not meant to do our spiritual journey alone. And so my prayer is that you would join a small group or perhaps start a small group or perhaps re-engage with your small group because you've become slack. Or if you're in a group, remain committed and intentional about those relationships. So John read that beautiful story about a man with a disability and his four friends. And they give us such a beautiful picture of how relationships can bring us to Jesus. Jesus was back home in Capernaum. Uh, he was in a home and his fame had spread so widely because of the miracles that he'd performed in Mark chapter 1, also because he delivered a man from a demon. And so this home was jam-packed. It was so packed that people were outside the door, that more people couldn't get in and out, and Jesus is there preaching the word of God. And while he's preaching, he can, you know, a couple of people start like no longer looking at him and they're looking up at the ceiling and they're little bits of reed and dried branches and mud and they're falling on their heads. Um, in, in modern day, it would be like a cell phone going off in church. Um, but but he, they're looking up and then sunlight comes through and then a hole is big enough for this man to descend. And I don't know about you, but if I was that homeowner, I would have been livid, like Will insurance cover this? Or, or will this be considered an act of God because Jesus is present? <laughs> but imagine, as Dwee said, the desperation and the hope of these friends. They just, they didn't care about the crowd who would be angry with them because they also had loved ones who weren't well. They didn't care about the anger of the homeowner. They bashed through the roof and they lowered their friend as close as they could get him to Jesus. Jesus was so impressed by their faith, their practical and audacious faith, that he says to the man, Son, your sins are forgiven. 
But we've got some critical religious leaders on the side who in their minds are thinking Jesus has been blasphemous by forgiving sins. Jesus shows them that he has the authority not only to forgive sins, but to heal diseases by telling the man, get up, pick up your mat, and go home. And the friends, I just picture them looking down at this event, and their friend gets up, picks up his mat, and walks, pushes his way out the door. Can you imagine the miracle? It was so incredible that the crowd rubbed their eyes, they were stunned, and they praised God. We've never seen anything like this before. What a story. I love the story, and it highlights for us this morning that relationships are critical, not optional, in our spiritual journey. That relationships bring us to Jesus, and that spiritual relationships transform us. So relationships are critical. They aren't optional for our spiritual health. Just think about this man with paraplegia. He, he couldn't, in ancient times, he couldn't go for modern-day surgery. Uh, he would have been um, kind of confined to the small mat because there wouldn't have been modern-day wheelchairs. He would have been so dependent on other people to move him, to dress him, to wash him, to clothe him. It's unlikely that he could work, so it would have been hard to, to meaningfully contribute, and it's most likely that he was a beggar. But I love the story because he's got one thing going for him, his friendships. He's part of, I think, one of the best small groups ever because these men had his back. These men loved him. They were committed to him to such a degree that they would sacrifice on his behalf and that they'd take risks for him. What great friends. Now today, I think we all will go, well, I'm not struggling. Most of us will go, I'm not struggling with a disability. So, so it's okay for me to be alone. But John Ortberg says that each of us, like this man in the story, we have our mat, some imperfection, some brokenness that, that causes us to need others. And if you're maybe on top of your brokenness and imperfection for a season, then you are needed by others to help carry their mat. But sadly, our society, our individualistic society, has conditioned us to think we can do it alone. Or, or even worse, we're better off on our own because we don't need other people in their dramas. Richard often says that, that men have a tendency to value their independence to such an extent that it isolates them from others when they need them the most. A former uh, sur Surgeon General of the United States shows how dangerous this type of thinking can be for us. He says, loneliness and weak social connections are associated with a reduction in lifespan similar to that caused by smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Just let that sink in. Medical research shows that being alone physically or subjectively thinking you're alone is as bad for your health as if you were smoking 15 cigarettes a day. I, I try to understand the impact of isolation because I love smaller groups during COVID. And I was so concerned because one of the articles I read uh, showed the incredibly harmful effect on the elderly and on youth due to isolation. 
It showed that the elderly were getting more sick and struggling with dementia more than before. And it showed that young people, because of loneliness, had higher levels of anxiety and depression. And so if you're struggling with any of those things, know that you're not the only one in that place. Relationships are crucial. They're not just optional for our physical health, but also for our spiritual health. Because in this passage, Jesus doesn't just deal with the physical. He also deals with the spiritual part of the man and his condition. I have been meeting weekly with our nine interns, and I've had such a a privilege of listening to their spiritual stories and their journeys. And once each person has shared their story, we then unpack, you know, what do we see in their story that helped them grow spiritually, and what in their story indicates that it hindered them from spiritual growth. And in every single one of our stories, and there were 10 stories shared, a common theme was relationships and Christian community either helped or hindered spiritual growth. So we need to know that our relationships can determine our closeness to Jesus. Our God who created us, he knows that isolation from Christian friendships and community isn't good for our spiritual health. And so he says in Hebrews, consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. God invites us through these verses to go against what some are in the habit of doing. And some are in the habit of going it alone, thinking they don't need encouragement, they don't need support from other people for their spiritual journey. And they don't want to offer their encouragement and their support for others in their journey. COVID has introduced some good habits but I also believe it's introduced some very unhealthy habits when it comes to our spiritual journey. Many have stopped and avoided deeply connecting with other believers. And so we believe we need to place a new emphasis on how important small groups are. Small groups have always been part of what we believe in as Home Ground Church, but we need to re-emphasize them because some have got out of the habit of connecting with their brothers or sisters or never got into that good habit. You may be thinking, listen, I'm not isolated. I, um, I'm extremely busy. I regularly connect with lots of people at work, uh, governing body meetings, uh, social leagues for sport, family and friendship connections. Um, I, I, I'm so busy in the week that I need my alone time just to recoup. Now, I'm the same. I also need alone time. I think it's good. And I think these relationships are important, but it's not these type of relationships we're referring to this morning. It's not just any type of friendship. We all need relationships that are centered around Jesus. Relationships that draw us closer to God, that help us grow, that help us pay attention to what God is doing in our our lives, that bring life to us. And if we're not intentional about creating space for these crucial relationships, then our relationship with God is going to be negatively impacted. See, the roof is being opened through the cell phone there. So we have to be intentional about creating space for these kind of relationships in our lives. 
I had the real privilege of speaking to Mdu, the chairman of our elders this week, about his passion for small groups. Um, one of the things he said was, being part of a small group is like that burning piece of wood under the poiki pot in that uh, fire pit. When you take it out, it dies. It needs to stay in and be part of that fire pit so it can stay alive and burning. And it's the same for us. We need to be relationally connected in smaller groups so that we can stay close to Jesus, committed and connected to Jesus. Mdu so believes in smaller groups that he and five other men would meet every Saturday morning for two hours between seven and nine. They'd walk on the beach, they'd pray together, and they'd talk about their relationship with God. Mdu just beams as he says, because of those weekly connections, We've all grown in our relationship with God. We serve one another. We care for one another. And it just, he gave me so many practical examples of how they dealt with finance challenges and those kinds of things as a group together. That time was so important, their wives knew they were unavailable from 7 to 9 on a Saturday morning. And so from Do's group, from this group of four friends, we realized that it is so important to be intentional because relationships don't happen accidentally. Think about it. If those four friends hadn't sat and planned, when are we going to meet? When are we going to pick up this guy? Who's going to carry which part of the mat? Who's going to get us onto the roof, break through the roof? They had to have an intentional plan. Or else one man would have rocked up and he couldn't have carried the mat on his own. Mdu and his friends didn't drift into deep and meaningful relationships. They made Saturday morning a priority. It wasn't optional for them. And so my prayer this morning is that every single one of us would realize that relationships are crucial. They're not optional for our walk with God because these relationships bring us to Jesus. Every single one of us needs someone who will bring us to Jesus. Few of us can get there on our own. And other people need us to help them to come to Jesus. We are told that the four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. This man with paraplegia couldn't get to Jesus alone. He needed his friends. His friends therefore sacrificed to place him at the feet of Jesus. I'm sure most of us can look back and see people who sacrificed so that we could know Jesus. For me, it was my mum and dad. For you, it might have been a friend, a colleague, a teacher, a song, a, a book or a sermon. Or maybe it was a small group. All of our lives, there's usually, in all of our lives, there's usually somebody who brought us to Jesus. But this isn't just a once-off occurrence. Uh, you know, that time we came to Jesus for the first time. It's not only once. We need to continually be bringing each other to Jesus. James tells us, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. And Pastor Rowan Rogers shows that James links our healing to our relationships with one another. I can testify to the truth of that when in 2020, my anxiety just became overwhelming, and I looked back and realized it was a habit my whole life. Um, it came to a head where I would be waking up in the middle of the night, 
And I'd be making these apocalyptic movies about my life and about South Africa and the world. Um, or I'd lie there and I'd be stressing about what I'd said or sh should have said or, or done in the day or what I needed to say or do the next day or in the weeks ahead. And it would just go round and round. And my favorite, my favorite was those what ifs in my children's future. And um, those were really paranoid because none of them were good. None of them was, what if they win the lottery and they live happily ever after that? They were all bad what-ifs. Anyhow, I'd been struggling alone for many, many years, and I kept getting the same results. And so I decided to go and chat to Molly Kemp at our counseling center. I was honest with her about my struggles. Uh, I met with her regularly, and Molly gave me tools. Molly prayed for me. She brought me to Jesus. And as a result, I was able to wake up in the night and be at peace. I was able to find peace because of the tools that had been passed on to me by someone who brought me to Jesus. Soon after that, I met with a friend who had similar anxiety problems. And God prompted me to pass on to her the tools I had been taught. We met together regularly. She was honest with me. I passed on the tools that God had given me. And a couple of weeks ago, I met with her, and the transformation in her life is radical. Because together, we came before the feet of Jesus. And all of us need to be vulnerable and honest about our mats so that others can bring us to the feet of Jesus. And we need to be listening to others and bringing them to the feet of Jesus. You know, these friends had one pressing thought. If only we can bring our friend close to Jesus. Great communities have the same longing to bring their friends to Jesus. And we can do this so practically by putting into practice the one another verses in Scripture. We can love one another as is. We can forgive one another for hurts and for sins and faults. We can pray for one another so that we can be healed and helped and so that we can grow. We can accept one another. We can accept, accept the imperfections, the differences that we have. And we can serve one another by carrying each other's mats. And there, there's so many other one another's that we can put into practice. The key is that we don't want to leave each other lying in the imperfections and the sin and the brokenness. We want to be spurring one another on towards love and good deeds, bringing people to Jesus. So I want you to reflect on and evaluate the type of relationships that you have in your life at the moment. Do you have a large quantity of friends, but you don't have this type of quality friend who, that's centered, friendship that's centered around Jesus? Are your friends bringing you closer to Jesus or pulling you further away from Jesus? Are your friends bringing you life, wholeness, peace, or are your friends bringing you harm and destruction? I encourage you today, you know, there's that saying, if you look at your friends, I can tell you who you're going to be in five years from now. I encourage you today that if your friendships are harmful, that you make a decision today to move away from what is harmful to you towards people who bring you close to Jesus.
I'm not saying that you mustn't and you must remove yourself from any non-Christian or unbelieving friendships. We need to be bringing them to Jesus. But I'm saying and cautioning you of who you allow close to influence you. Because if we're going to succeed in this chain ladder of our spiritual life, we need the right people around us. Relationships are crucial. Relationships bring us to Jesus. And then God uses those relationships to transform us. It's so important this morning that we know that it's through relationships that God often makes us aware of how we need to grow to be more like Jesus. If you look at these friends, they brought the, the, the disabled person to the feet of Jesus. And because of their faith, Jesus not only changed him physically, but Jesus touched him spiritually. Jesus said, it says, seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, my child, your sins are forgiven. Imagine being in that man's place. You come to Jesus for physical healing, and in front of a room full of your, um, your community in Capernaum, he says, your sins, and he exposes your sins. The truth is, sins being exposed is commonly found in communities where Jesus is at the center. Think of a Christian marriage. You're living together in community and relationship all the time, and God exposes selfishness. Christian parenting, as you parent, God exposes that you have an anger issue. Uh, in a small group, a member or members realize that they are easily irritated. They don't have compassion or kindness or patience. It's so dangerous to be alone because it can be the ultimate echo chamber. We can hear our own opinions and our own beliefs and we can fool ourselves when we're alone to say, well, I'm fine, I'm humble, I'm truthful, I'm kind, I'm caring, I'm patient. But when you're with other people, God exposes your sin, helps you to become unstuck from unhealthy things. With Jesus in the picture, sin is identified, it's dealt with, and our lives can be changed. The great thing about Christian community is that it's made up of many, many different kinds of people. Um, and often you wouldn't necessarily choose to be friends with them. You know that saying, you can choose your friends but not your family. Same for your spiritual family. But the power of these relationships, these diverse relationships, is that we have young people, we have old people, we have people from different cultures and backgrounds and different colors. And as we're intentional about investing in these diverse relationships, we benefit from the diversity and God refines us. Proverbs says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. When we remove ourselves from community, we miss out on the sharpening. And in community, there is usually one person that drives us up the wall. Uh, Rick Warren says they're the kinds of people for whom extra grace is required. They're infuriating. Somehow they manage to press all the right buttons in us. But my mom so wisely used to say, Cindy, those people are a gift in your life. God uses them as his sandpaper to refine you, to take off the parts that don't look like Jesus so he can make you more like him. 
So through his friends, this man was transformed, not only physically, but spiritually as well. That transformation, think of how it impacted that man. Think about watching that transformation, how it impacted his friends. And the crowd was also impacted. They were all amazed and praised God, exclaiming, we've never seen anything like this before. When Jesus radically changes you and I, he wants to use our story to transform other people. A great example of this is a friend of mine. We formed a discipleship group, um, and she came, the mat, we all came with mats, but the mat that she came bearing was having toxic parents, really toxic parents, and so she struggled with trust, and she struggled with friendships. But she was brave, and she joined this group because she wanted to grow closer to Jesus. And so we all grew together, learning from each other, and being exposed to different things uh, through God's word and through each other. And one, a couple of times, she was triggered by somebody in the group. And I know I was one of those times. And she left the group. We were all heartbroken. I cried to Richard saying she'd left. But we kept loving her. We prayed for her. We kept the small contact with her. And God spoke to her and she came back to the group in two or three weeks' time processed her triggers, God used them as sandpaper to make her more like Jesus. As a result, she now is facilitating a group herself where she is helping heal the brokenness in others. I love small group relationships because through these relationships, Jesus changes not only us, he changes the people who we're in a group with, but also other people who are impacted by their and our lives. I think this gospel story may be one of my most favorite stories. It is so powerful in demonstrating what happens when people meet together in a small group. So that for us at Home Ground Church shows why we emphasize smaller groups, being part of one, being connected in one. Because relationships are crucial. You cannot have relationship in rows. Circles are better for relationships. Because relationships bring us to Jesus. And because relationships change us to be more like Jesus. So last week, John encouraged us to pick up a domino. If you weren't here and you want a domino, they're in the till, in the foyer, those of you who are online, maybe search for one at home. John in invited us to put it somewhere where it's very visual. And today I want the domino to, to symbolize for you that first step of being intentional about building space in your life for spiritual relationships. If Mdu didn't do that, he wouldn't have had the depth of growth in relationship. So we've got to be intentional. Join a group. Start a group if you're a leader or if you've been in a group for a long time. Maybe it's time you start a group. Re-engage with your group if you've became, become disconnected. Continue to be committed to that smaller group you're part of if you're already um, connected. Be carrying each other's mats. You know, if you think of the, the domino, if it falls, it fell in the life of that man, who was disabled. It impacted his friends. It impacted the crowd. 
The domino effect is what we're looking for in discipleship. My life changes. I change the lives of others. You change the lives of others. All because Jesus is in the picture. If you think of, of those four friends, if they'd stayed home that morning, and they decided, no, we'll just play dice with our, our disabled friend. You know, we can't move him. Nothing would have happened. They'd have missed out on a miracle. But they didn't stay at home. They met. They carried him to Jesus. They were part of an incredible, incredible story that we're listening to thousands of years later. Great things happen in small groups. I want to be a part of those great things. Do you? Let's pray. Jesus, because you're in our lives, we are so, so thankful this morning. We don't need to struggle to grow close to you alone. We don't need to struggle with the challenges of living for you in difficult times. Because you are with us and you give us guides along the way. Lord Jesus, I just pray that today you would speak to all of our hearts about how we can practically be part of a group that causes us and others to grow closer to Jesus. Show us what that looks like in our individual lives. Give us the strength to make it a priority. And Lord Jesus, we so look forward to the transformed lives as a result of these communities. Amen.